This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah alladhi ja'ala hadhihi al-ummah manabira huda wa qudwatan salihatan ليقتدي بها الأولون وليقتدي بها الآخرون قال الله تعالى كنتم خير أمة أخرجت للناس وقال تعالى لقد رضي الله عن المؤمنين إذ يبايعونك تحت الشجرة وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ألا فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكما ورد في الرواية وكل ضلالة في النار ألا فاتقوا الله عباد الله وتمسكوا من الإسلام بالعروة الوثقى واحذروا غضب الرب فإن أجسادكم على النار لا تكوى All praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone We praise him and we seek his assistance and guidance And we seek refuge in Allah from the evils of ourselves And the adverse consequences of our deeds we testify that whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide, and whomsoever He misguides, then none can guide. And we request blessings and praises upon our master, our teacher, our guide and leader, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I bear witness that there's no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is His messenger. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, Salamu Allahi Alaikum wa Rahmatuhu wa Barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon you all. Yet another Friday, and yet another day in which we are observing Salatul Dhuhr. Our masajid closed what seems like a lifetime ago, and we have no idea when our masajid will reopen. Ramadan is in front of us. Job security continues to become lower and lower in terms of the confidence amongst the people of the community. And we look at the situation and we think, subhanAllah, when is this going to end? Can we actually say that we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel? Can we actually say that the, ha- the cup is half full? And this is a reality and you wouldn't blame some people for feeling this way but we would remind people to the khutbah that we shared or the lecture that we shared last week about positivity 
and never losing hope and finding the opportunity to build Jannah amidst every obstacle that life throws at us. And to co- in, in continuing with that theme, brothers and sisters in Islam, I want to take you all to the sixth year after the Hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. Last year, I took you to moments before the Hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ and moments during the Hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. Today, I want to take you to the sixth year after Hijrah. When the Prophet ﷺ saw a dream, he saw himself doing tawaf around the Kaaba. Subhanallah. With him were the Muslims. Subhanallah, no doubt this was something amazing for him. For he longed for Mecca. And he knew that the Sahaba too longed for Mecca. And remember, Mecca was made the Kaaba of the Muslims. So they were always facing Mecca. So throughout the days, throughout the weeks, throughout the months, throughout the years, this love for Mecca grew and grew and grew and was now overflowing. And no doubt there was this sincere desire to go to Mecca and succumbulate the Kaaba, to observe the tawaf around the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ immediately, he made moves to act on this beautiful dream. He saw this as a sign and he gathered 1,400 Sahaba. And they made the intention for Umrah and they marched towards Mecca through the normal route known as At-Tani'im. Now, subhanAllah, the Quraysh heard about this. And let's not forget that prior to this, the Muslims had three encounters with the Quraysh. There were three encounters with the Quraysh prior to this, during the Battle of Badr, and during the Battle of Uhud, and during the Battle of the Trench. A battle never took place, but it's termed as a battle. The Battle of the Trench or the Battle of Al-Khandaq. So these were three meetings that the Muslims had with the Quraysh, and these meetings were not pleasant in any way or form. The Muslims now are making their way for Umrah. They're not carrying weapons, they're not armed, they have with them the camels, the animals that they will use to feed themselves. An army of, well not an army, but a group of pilgrims now of 1,400 Muslims required substantial amount of food. So they brought those animals that they would slaughter and cook and feed the pilgrims together on their long journey from Mecca to Medina. Along with this, they had um, other animals with them. Um, And later on, as we will see, these animals became the fidya. The fidya that is uh, paid or sacrificed when a person can't make it to Mecca, especially after they've adorned the ihram and entered the state of ihram. The Prophet ﷺ took the usual route and he comes to find out that subhanallah, and this is historical, and we're living through historical times, brothers and sisters in Islam, with this coronavirus. This was also historical for the Muslims, that subhanallah, the Quraysh are proactively sending an army they sending an army of 200 fighters with Khalid ibn Walid to block us from entering Mecca. We're not, we've not come for war, we've come for Umrah. And they are sending fighters to block pilgrims coming for the Umrah. This was unheard of. The Quraysh were facilitators of the Umrah. The Quraysh were the facilitators of Hajj. They were proud that they had this responsibility and were known with this title, that they carried the title of being the facilitators of Umrah and Hajj and the pilgrims and so on and so forth. And these very same people were about to do something unprecedented and that is block the Muslims from coming for Umrah. 
The Prophet ﷺ decided to avoid any battle because they came for Umrah, they were in Ihram, they were wearing the clothes of Ihram, they didn't have any weapons with them. This was not a battle. This was a journey of Umrah. And he shifted the route from Al-Tan'im to Al-Hudaybiyah. This is what the Prophet ﷺ did to further make clear that there's no wrong intentions here. All we want to do is observe the Umrah and circumambulate the Kaaba. Upon this, the Quraysh decided to send Urwa ibn Mas'ud to meet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our beloved Prophet, and the Muslims. And when he met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was, he was taken aback. He was overwhelmed by the love that he saw the Sahaba having for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was overwhelmed by the humility of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, despite having all this love and all this attention from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een. And then he went back to the Quraysh and he says, you know what, I have seen the kings of Persia and Rome. I have seen them and how they behave and I've seen how their subordinates behave. I've never seen anything like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his people. They seem like good people. We should let them in and we should let them do the Umrah. We should not disturb them. But the leaders of the Quraysh they were stubborn, as always, as usual, even though they lost many of their grades during Badr, right? But those that took their place continued their legacy, right, of being stubborn. And they said, no, we will not allow the Muslims to come in. So what did they, what did they do? They uh, set Urwa aside and they sent another of the chief negotiators known as Suhail ibn Amr. Now Suhail later became a Muslim, radiallahu anhu. Suhail ibn Amr at that time wasn't a Muslim. Like Khalid ibn Walid at that time wasn't a Muslim. And he was a, a strong negotiator. And he went to Hudaybiyah to negotiate the terms of how things would move forward. Now listen carefully, brothers and sisters in Islam. We're talking about a situation where the Muslims have always felt that the situation has always been on the back burner. Right? That circumstances around them are dictating where they can go and what they can do. They wanted to go to Mecca. We're not talking about a year. We're talking about years. And finally they get the chance and an unprecedented move is happening. In their mind there's no way we're going back. In their mind the Prophet ﷺ saw the dream. In their mind our wish of years that's flowing in our hearts and our chest is going to become true. Our emotions are on edge because of the sincere love we have to see the Kaaba. We are going to get there despite what the Quraysh do. Right? This is what the situation was. And, and prior to this, brothers and sisters in Islam, just to add some completion to the story, when the Quraysh refused to listen to Urwa, the Prophet ﷺ sent, he sent Uthman ibn Affan to go and help convince the Quraysh because Uthman ibn Affan, عن, he had connections in Mecca. But when Uthman got into Mecca, they detained him. And then rumors were sent out that what? That Uthman was killed. And here the Prophet ﷺ immediately decided that we need to avenge the blood of Uthman. We will go to battle without weapons. And immediately 1,400 Sahaba rushed to grab his hand and show their pledge of allegiance. Subhanallah. That without weapons, whilst we're in ihram, we are with you, O Messenger of Allah ﷺ. Subhanallah. Indeed Allah was pleased with the Muslims when they pledged their allegiance to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa under the tree. I began 
this khutbah mentioning this ayah, how Allah mentions how proud and happy he was of this sahaba. And before this, I started this khutbah in Arabic, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for making this ummah a lantern of guidance, manabira huda wa qudwatan saliha, and to make uh, 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 this ummah a righteous leadership for people to take guidance from now and for people who will come after to take guidance from. Subhanallah. And that's why we're having this discussion at this difficult time. The moments with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the moments with him and the Sahaba, so we can see Subhanallah that they too were under a form of siege. But how did they behave? They were human beings. They had emotions, right? So imagine, in, you know, it's, it's going from from good to bad, from bad to worse. Now they're pledging allegiance to fight whilst in Ihram. And we know in Ihram you don't fight, but this was a circumstance beyond anyone's control. We've been hearing the word unprecedented several times during the past few weeks. For the Muslims, with the Messenger wasallam, this too was unprecedented, right? The Quraysh, when they heard that subhanallah, these 1,400 Muslims without weapons, without body armor, they're pledging allegiance to the Messenger. They said, we need to calm the situation down. We need to defuse the situation. Why? Because what will happen if the news goes out and people start hearing that the Quraysh are fighting pilgrims? We will become the enemy, not just to the Muslims, but to many, many other people. Plus we will lose our reputation, right? This reputation that has been a means of us having the financial standing that we have, the material well-being that we have, the honor that we have. So immediately the Quraysh sent Suhail ibn Amr to defuse the situation, to have a quick negotiation, and then for the terms uh, to be discussed, terms by which things will move forward. And Suhail was a master negotiator. He comes to the Prophet ﷺ, and they sit down and they negotiate, and the Sahaba are listening in, and the following five points are agreed to. Number one, there will be a ceasefire between the Muslims and the Quraysh. No more warfare for a period of 10 years. Number two, any person and tribe, any person and tribe can now enter into an agreement with the Muslims. And any person and tribe can enter into an agreement with the Quraysh. And these agreements shouldn't mean that now we have uh, a situation of having a friend or a foe. Everyone is free to sign up memorandum of agreements, if we can call them that, MOUs with any tribe or any person. Okay? Number three. Now listen to this. Right? The first two seems okay, seems balanced, seems fair, no problem. What does number three say? Number three says, if anyone from Mecca goes to Medina to settle, the Prophet ﷺ has to send them back to Mecca. But if anyone from Medina leaves Medina and goes to Mecca, the Quraysh don't have to send him back. He can stay with them in Mecca. Is this fair or unfair? Right? Right? To the naked eye, without vision, this is unfair. This is a bad deal. The Prophet ﷺ agrees. Number four, listen to this one. If a young person leaves his parents and goes to Muhammad ﷺ without his guardians or her guardians' permission, he or her, he or she has to be sent back to Mecca. But if anyone from Medina goes to Mecca without the permission of his or her guardian, they can remain safely in Mecca. 
they don't have to be sent back to the naked eye. This seems unfair. This is a road deal. This is a bad deal. The Prophet ﷺ agrees. Now imagine the Sahaba listening in. The human beings like you and me, right? They were feeling what they were feeling. Number five, and this was the killer blow, if we can call it that. No Umrah this year. However, next year you can come back for three days with the Muslims and perform Umrah. We'll give you three days in Mecca, but next year, not this year. Subhanallah. This was heavy, brothers and sisters in Islam. For the Sahaba, this was heavy. For people wishing for the Kaaba for several years, this was heavy. The Prophet ﷺ agrees. He agrees. Now, brothers and sisters in Islam, what we see happening at that time is really a lesson for the rest of time. That life will always picture circumstances and situations that we with our naked eye will see as a bad deal. But little do we know, there's a goodness in that deal as well. There's a goodness in that deal as well. And I'm echoing what I shared with you last week. And I always give this example of hailstones that fall down and smash the windscreens of cars. Right? This is a rare event. Every day people drive their cars, they come back safely. Their cars are intact, their windscreens are intact. There's a person who sells windscreens. Every day he's trying to sell, but he can't sell. Why? Because people really don't need windscreens every day. There's, we don't have a high demand for windscreens. Every day, the guy who sells windscreens, he's patient. He's patient. And every day, those who have cars who go home safely, they are thankful to Allah. Right? They are thankful. But one day hailstones fall down and the windscreens get smashed. And the car drivers come out and they say, La hawla wa la illa billah. This is bad. What has happened? But somewhere in there, we have the windscreen salah who's saying, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Today I can sell my windscreens. You see, brothers and sisters in Islam? <laughs> you see this? This is phenomenal. This is the reality. And this is the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that there's no complete evil. Everything that Allah allows to happen is not evil in completion. You might see it from an angle as a raw deal, but from another angle, it's amazing. Right? Because the day hailstones fell, it was amazing for the windscreen salah to build his Jannah by being thankful to Allah, whilst every day he had to be patient. And for the car owner, every day they could build Jannah being thankful, today they have a chance to build Jannah being patient. And this was the reality, brothers and sisters of Hudaybiyah. This was the reality. For Rasulullah after agreeing, he told the Sahaba, come out of Ihram, shave your heads, slaughter your animals, and nobody moved. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. 
But just before, 1,400 were rushing to shake his hand. When it was to pledge allegiance to us going to avenge the blood of Uthman if it was proven that he was killed. They were for the Prophet They were for Allah and his Rasul. But they were human beings. This situation froze them. And the Prophet was surprised. So he goes into his tent and he tells Umm Salama of his feelings about what just happened. And Umm Salama said, Oh Messenger of Allah, they're just upset. The human beings, they feel what they feel. They're sad. They're shocked. That what's happened? But you come out of ihram and walk out and you'll see them following you. And that's what he did sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when they saw the messenger, as they saw him, immediately they followed through. Radiallahu anhum ajma'in. Subhanallah. Another point is when this deal was signed, brothers and sisters in Islam, Suhail's son, Abu Dujana, he was in shackles in Mecca because he was prevented from going to Medina. He manages to get out to Hudaybiyah and present himself to the Prophet ﷺ with all his torture marks. And the Sahaba are seeing him shackled, tied, crying, begging, take me back with you to Medina, take me back with you to Medina. He's begging, look what they're doing to me, look what my father is doing to me. And the father of Abu Dujana, Suhail, immediately says, this is going to be the first implementation of the treaty that we signed. Remember we said, any child who goes to Medina without the permission of his father has to stay back or be returned back. And the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Dujana, be patient. Be patient. Continue building Jannah through patience. We have to honor the deal. We have to honor the contract. Alright? So brothers and sisters in Islam, you might be looking at the situation with Corona using one lens. Right? You might be listening to this story of Hudaybiyah and thinking this doesn't sound like a good deal using one lens. But let's see what happened after. Subhanallah. Because after this deal was signed for the first time ever, Medina was recognized as a place that hosted Islam and the capital of the Muslim country. For the first time, Rasulullah was recognized by the Quraysh as a legitimate leader. As a result of this, they could practice doing more da'wah easily without opposition. And now they could spread the message of Islam further and far and wide to other lands. Subhanallah. Because of this treaty. Without this treaty, this was something extremely difficult. Now with this treaty, La ilaha illallah is spreading. Subhanallah. Because of this treaty, many, many more people became Muslims. When the Prophet ﷺ signed the treaty, there was 1,400 people with him. The next year, when they went back for Umrah, for the three days that was part of the plan, 2,000 Sahaba accompanied him ﷺ. A year before, we were upset. A year later, we sang takbir, Allahu Akbar, subhanallah. If we only knew that we'd have 500, we'd have 600 more Muslims, of course we wouldn't have been upset. If we only knew how easy it would be to spread Islam, of course we wouldn't have been upset. But that's the thing. And hindsight is an amazing thing. Right? It's all about hindsight now. Right? So if we see things with local lens, brothers and sisters in Islam, without foresight, we cause our situation to become even more difficult. 
because of this treaty, brothers and sisters in Islam, the new Muslims who didn't want to go back to Mecca because of the deal, they couldn't stay in Medina, but they didn't want to go to Mecca. They started setting up little places in between Mecca and Medina. And they started becoming a hindrance for the caravans of the Quraysh, such that the Quraysh became tired of them, and the Quraysh requested the Prophet ﷺ to amend the deal, to cancel that deal, to amend it, to allow the Muslims to stay in Medina if they didn't want to come back to Mecca. Subhanallah. And the Prophet ﷺ did it. Right? So who was winning at the end? All this was a win for the Muslims. In fact, the greatest win came as a result of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, and that is Mecca becoming a Muslim land before the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. No one could have seen this at the time of Hudaybiyah, when it seemed like the Muslims were getting a bad deal. In fact, it, was, it seemed so bad that when, when the Prophet ﷺ was signing it, and he said, the Messenger of Allah, Suhail said, no, not the Messenger of Allah, write Muhammad ibn Abdullah. We don't recognize Allah. Right, you are Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. At that time, imagine what you'd feel. But subhanallah, Allah knows. Allah has the full picture. You and I, we just have pixels, brothers and sisters in Islam. Corona is a pixel. Being stuck at home in isolation is a pixel. Right? That's what it is. Not being allowed out and having the freedom to go out is a pixel. Our flights being cancelled is a pixel. We might have lost money because we booked some holidays. Is a pixel. We only have pixels. But we have to keep on gathering those pixels. And to gather those pixels, we have to be patient. And when we put the pixels together, we'll see the bigger picture. And see, subhanallah, the plan that Allah had for us. But if you're going to sit right now and look at a pixel and try and understand the picture, you're going to fail. And shaitan is going to use that against you. And make you lose hope. And make you feel sad. And make you feel in a loss. The thousand pounds you lost because you were supposed to come for Umrah, that you, can't, that you might not be able to get back, you're going to see that thousand pounds as a ten thousand pound loss. But if you be patient and gather pixels, tomorrow you'll see that thousand pound as a ten thousand pound gain. And this is the trust we have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the way of the believers. As I said, the treaty of Hudaybiyah was the preamble of Mecca becoming a Muslim. Why? Because of that treaty and something that happened that caused that treaty to be uh, broken, that led to the Muslims having precedence to go to Mecca and take over Mecca. And that is why brothers and sisters in Islam, even though from the outset the Sahaba felt like it was a loss, Allah describes the treaty of Hudaybiyah. Allah describes the treaty of Hudaybiyah by saying, inna that we have opened for you, O Messenger, a great opening. Right? If you and I were there and we heard this verse, we'd be confused. Well, where's the great opening? It doesn't look like a good deal. Here we are going back without even having done Umrah. And we had to leave Abu Dujana. And we have to send the Muslims to, to Mecca. And we can't keep the Muslims who come from Mecca. But Allah called all this a great opening. Allah called it a great opening and indeed it was a great opening for eventually Mecca became Muslim and under control of the Muslims till today until the day of Qiyamah. La ilaha illallah. Wallahi wa billahi wa tallahi 
What a great opening, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam. And this is what we need from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam at this unprecedented time when the masajid are closed, when Mecca is, is closed off. We heard recently that Mecca is under 24-hour curfew. No one can leave their homes. Medina is under 24-hour curfew. No one can leave their homes. For good reasons, of course, there's no oppression. This is for, for, for the sake of uh, preservation of life. But we're hearing all these things, subhanAllah. We heard about the death toll in the UK yesterday climbing. We're hearing subhanAllah of our Muslim brothers and sisters passing away. Doctors in the front line from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam who are passing away. We're hearing and we're hearing and we're hearing. You and I have to remain focused. You and I have to have basira. The basira, the foresight of the Quran and the Sunnah. The foresight of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with us today in the 21st century. So it guides us accordingly. It guides us appropriately. And remember brothers and sisters in Islam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has passed on, but he left with us two things. If we hold steadfast on to them both, we'll never ever go astray. The book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and part of his sunnah is his seerah. Right? Are those things that took place during his life. So this is the message for today, brothers and sisters in Islam. We have pixels, but we don't have the big picture. Indeed, the big picture is with Allah. And by Allah, whatever Allah does, He does good. We have to keep on telling ourselves that. Repeating it to ourselves. No matter how difficult things are, keep on repeating. Whatever Allah does, He does good. Whatever Allah does, He does good. Whatever Allah does, He does good. I might not know it now, but I will come to know it sooner or later. This is the lesson for today, my dearest brothers and sisters in Islam. Before we end, brothers and sisters in Islam, it is Friday, the best day upon which the sun rises. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in the hadith of Abi Hurairah radiallahu an, in Sahih Muslim, أفضل يوم طلعت عليه الشمس يوم الجمعة فيه خلق آدم وفيه أدخل الجنة وفيه أخرج منها ولا تقوم الساعة إلا في يوم الجمعة That the best day upon which the sun rises is the day of Jumu'ah. On this day Allah created Adam. On this day He entered him into Jannah. On this day He removed him from Jannah. And the coming of the hour will not happen except on the day of Jumu'ah. This is the best day of the week. This is the day of Eid for the believers. Yes, we don't have Jumu'ah. Yes, we don't have the Khutbah. But it still remains. This is our day. Don't forget, there is an hour on this day, during this day, in which if a Muslim raises his hands and asks from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will not let that dua go unanswered. So use this day well, brothers and sisters in Islam. Engage Allah in the last hour before Jumu'ah ends, before the day of Jumu'ah ends, an hour before Maghrib. Switch off your phone, switch off from the world, switch off from social media, turn to Allah. Turn to Allah and ask from Allah and use these moments. Use these moments, brothers and sisters in Islam. For these moments, especially during periods of difficulty, are massive bonus rounds in terms of the happiness of our life in this world and the next. Also, don't forget to read Surah Al-Kahf. And don't forget to increase sending salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik wa an'im ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabina Muhammad, Allahumma salli ala nabina Muhammad, ma dhakarahu al-dhakirun, ma dhakarahu al-dhakirun al-abrar, wa salli ala nabina Muhammad, ma ta'aqaba al-layl wa al-nahar, wa salli ala nabina Muhammad, وعلى المهاجرين 
والأنصار وسلم تسليما مجيدا بارك الله لي ولكم في الوحيين ونفعني وإياكم بهدي سيد الثقلين لقد قلت ما قلت وأستغفر الله العظيم الجليل لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين من كل ذنب وخطيئة فاستغفروا إنه كان غفارا وتوبوا إليه إنه كان توابا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله this recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.